Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. In this episode, I talk about three stories of God's anger that many of us have heard as children, but I take them from a different viewpoint. We dive deep into the anger of God and even the possible reasons behind it. I also speak about how the anger of God and the love of God come together on the cross. Just a heads up, we did have some technical problems at the beginning of the recording, and so I had to re-record it so it sounds a little bit different. I hope you enjoy. I was just 13 years old, I opened up my brand new MP3 player for Christmas. I was so excited. I started singing loud for all to hear. I immediately went over to the computer and I uploaded my Hilary Duff Metamorphosis CD. I was so excited. And then the next day, I dropped it. And it happened in like slow motion. And when it hit the ground, it went face down. And I prayed the prayer that even atheists pray when you drop an electronic device on the ground. Please let it not be broken. And I picked it up, and all I could see was huh and uh, and I was so disappointed in myself, in just the world. It was the end of the world. Anyway, so I went to my parents with tears in my eyes, and I said, I broke it. And they said, don't worry, honey. We got the warranty. This is going to be okay. And so... Me and my dad drove over to Best Buy the very next day with the receipt, the MP3 player, and the warranty. And we went up to the customer service desk, and we were very hopeful, obviously. We went up to the customer service desk, and we told him, hey, we got everything we need. We'd like a new MP3 player or just replace the screen. We're not fussy. And then he said, it's not covered. The three words that anyone who has ever bought a warranty knows that's what happens, right? Because warranties are pointless. Anyways, all that to say, something birthed within me that day. A passion happened in me that day as I was standing at that customer service desk. There was like, um, I all of a sudden knew my purpose in life. And I decided leaving that day when the guy said, it's not covered, and we went back and forth for about 20 hours, more like 20 minutes, of how long, like, we went over and over this. It's not covered, it's not covered. And I decided that day I was never going to let that happen to me ever again, to me or any of my loved ones. And so I decided to take on these greedy corporations and all these people that are just constantly trying to take advantage of us, right? And so I've been known to, like, go into Target and take pictures of different prices that seem a little too good to be true and then go up to the cashier, and if it's wrong... I'll show her the, the picture on my phone, and then if she says no, I'll maybe ask for the manager, okay? I'm standing up for myself. Or I've been known to, to call up the pizza place when my nieces and nephews were starving and their pizza was late one night. And then my brother, for some reason, when the pizza guy came there to the door, he took the pizza and he whispered, don't worry. That was my sister on the phone. Don't worry. Like, I'm not mad at you. And... Uh, I've been known to call up the Wi-Fi place and get the price that they sent me on the coupon, like the coupon that they sent me in the mail. Anyways, I digress. I, I, I've been known to do this a lot. And one day I was watching a video, and I noticed that there was another woman like me out in the world. Another, dare I say, hero. And as I started to watch this video, I obviously took her side. Yes, the greedy corporation is trying to take advantage of us. And then I started looking in the comments, and I realized 
that everybody was like taking the side of the 15-year-old kid who like gets paid five bucks an hour who she was screaming at. And I was so confused. And then I had a realization. And it's, 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 we're in church today, it's Easter, right? So I just have something to confess, something to get off my chest. My name is Hannah, and I am a recovering Karen. I'm so sorry. I'm working on it. I'm working on it, I promise. It's a problem. Okay, anyways, um, I'll tell you, when I go into Best Buy to this day, I can remember that moment, and I remember that moment of rage, right, of being at the customer service desk and realizing they weren't going to cover it. I have that moment, and it's awkward. Not awkward for the Best Buy employees, but just for me. I'm sorry if anyone works at Best Buy here. But um, I, I feel awkward, and it's awkward when you're mad at somebody, but it's even more awkward when they're mad at you, right? When, you, when they walk in the room and there's like an aura around them, and you don't like you can't remember what you did. You're so confused, you start like racking through your brain, like they're doing passive aggressive comments, they're giving you looks, and you're not quite sure what's going on. But I'll tell you, it's even worse when you think God is mad at you. When you're constantly thinking something is wrong and you're not sure what you did to upset God. It can make you feel powerless, right? Like when you, when you all of a sudden like, you, uh, your furnace goes out, your basement floods, you get into a fight with your wife, you lose your job, and then you walk outside, it instantly starts raining, a car goes past, splashes a puddle onto you, and you are soaking wet, and you look up to the sky, and you say, why, God? What did I do? Why am I so, like, why are you so mad at me? Or it can make you feel anxious, and it can make you, like, try to do every single thing perfect in your life. Like, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't party, you don't do any of those things, because if you do, like, God might strike you with a lightning bolt at any moment. Or you could be in the boat. Like, I know it's Easter. I'm not dumb. I know some people don't want to be at church today. I know that sometimes you get dragged to church, and you might be at the point that you can't even believe in a God that would send plagues, that would send floods, that would have armies in the Old Testament. Like, you can't understand that. And so you're either, you've given up on your faith, or you can't, like, you are on the verge of it because you can't get over this fact that's in the Bible that we see over and over and over again. So wherever you're at today, I want to just ask you to use your imagination with me today. And we're going to go over three different stories that if you grew up in the church, you've probably heard before. If you haven't, that's totally fine. I'm so glad you're here. Um, but we're going to try to uh, imagine it from different perspectives. And uh, I hope you're, you're ready for this. So the first story is the story of a father. One morning, a father wakes up and comes to find that his son has died And he, he starts to hear the cries from the neighbors and the cries from family and friends. And then he realizes that they're not crying for his son. They're crying for their own. And then he hears a knock at the door. And he knows who it is and he knows what he wants. And when he walks in, 
he looks at him and he says, please take everyone and take everything and leave. Across town, the grandmother wakes up and winces in pain as she gets out of bed. She starts to put on her sweat-stained dress that she's worn for years and years and years. And her granddaughter rushes in to help her and sees the bruises and the scratches and the scars from the years and years of oppression. And then the grandmother has a flashback to when she was just eight years old and her baby brother was ripped out of her hands and killed right in front of her. And she closes her eyes hard to push out the memories, but she can't quite do it. It's there every single day. And then, all of a sudden, there is a burst of hope in the air that can't quite be explained, and there is so much excitement in the streets. There's dancing and singing. Could it be? Could the thing that she has prayed for, and her mother, and her grandmother, and her great-grandmother, could it be that freedom is finally Now, like I said, maybe you've heard this story before, whether it be at church or whether it be in a movie or wherever. You've read it for yourself in Exodus. Wherever you've heard it, the important part is that the father in the story is Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was the oppressor of God's people, him and his nation, for over 400 years. So much so that they had a sadistic form of birth control that they actually decided to kill off all the baby boys. And that was the memory that the, the grandmother had remembered. And when I've looked at this story before, I just thought, okay, well, there's the ten plagues. This is the stereotypical angry God, right? The lightning bolts coming from the sky and all this crazy stuff happening, gnats and blood in the Nile, all this crazy stuff. And so when that all happens, I've always thought this is just God going nuts. But now I look at it and I see nine chances that Pharaoh had to change his mind. And every single time he decided, no, 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 no. And I think what happened here is that God decided, you know what, I care about Pharaoh, I care about these people, but at the end of the day, my people are hurting, they are being oppressed, and I have to step in and I have to do something. And I have to give them chances to, to be able to let my people go. And if they don't do that, then I have to, I have to do an ultimatum here. It's really hard to understand. And so I want to ask a few questions. We're digging deep today. So I want to ask a few questions of this. And so the first one is, how do you, how, what can you tell me about this story from God's anger? Or think to yourself. Does this describe a God that just flies off the handle? And if God would show such extraordinary patience with an evil dictator in an oppressive nation, then how much more is he going to be patient with you? Now let's take a look at another story. This story is a story of a traveling speaker. There was a, uh, a traveling speaker that was told to go to a, a foreign capital city and tell them that they were going to be wiped out if they don't change their ways. 
And when this happened, uh, he immediately thought of what he's heard about this nation before. He's heard of the chopped off limbs. He's heard of uh, the small children being burned alive. These are not good people. And so he decides, I don't want to be a part of this redemption story. I'm going to go in the other direction. A few weeks later, a king is walking along his, his uh, outskirts of his city, and he sees the severed heads of his enemies put into uh, pitchforks along the edges. And he uh, says to himself, how much longer do I have to sacrifice human life on the altar of pride? And then he hears of a guy going around the city and telling people to repent or else they're going to be wiped out in 40 days. And so when that happens, the guy comes to him and the king immediately repents and he rips his clothes and he falls to the ground and he says, I'm sorry for the gouged out eyes. I'm sorry for the chopped off limbs. I'm sorry for all of the people I have commanded to kill or I've killed myself. Please, God, please forgive me. And then 40 days come and go and he comes to realize that this God is different. This God is merciful and he decides to follow this God. Now, after this, the, the Ninevites are, are spared. This is about Jonah and the Ninevites and the whale. You've probably heard of this story in the Bible before. And so the Ninevites are spared, and it's 120,000 people. And Jonah and God have a conversation about it in Jonah chapter 4. And so he says, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left Tarshish that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. There's a plant in the story. You can read about it for yourself in Jonah 4. Though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly, and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Now, I don't want you to miss this. At the beginning of the story, right, God is saying, I'm going to wipe these people out. I can't, I can't handle them anymore. I'm wiping them out. I'm going to give them one last chance. And at the end of the story, God is telling Jonah, I need you to care about these people. And I think what was happening here, I think, is that God cared about the Ninevites, yes, but he also cared for the people that the Ninevites were hurting. He cared about the small children. He cared about the gouged out eyes. He cared about all these terrible, terrible things that they were known for around the entire known world that they were doing. And so he had to step in and he had to do something. And so in this story, I just want to ask you another, uh, uh, another set of questions. Is how would you describe God's anger in this story? When's the last time you turned to God in such great fashion like the king. And then if God is going to show such mercy to such an evil people, how much mercy is he going to show you? Now, if you're like me, you might be thinking, okay, well, Hannah, those two stories are from the Old Testament. And so with the Old Testament, God kind of works kind of differently. And so it's New Testament is just like there's like a new age or something different there. And so um, let's take a look at a story from the New Testament. There was a immigrant 
that had just moved to town. And when uh, she moved to town, she was going through an existential crisis. And when that happened, she decided she needed some new faith. And she had heard that there was a temple in town that she could go to that had a place just for her. And when she got to the place, it was chaotic. It was kind of like our lobby today. It was very chaotic. <laughs> and it was uh, just like they were selling stuff and they were overpricing everything. And in that time, you had to buy stuff in order to worship God. And so they were just, it was nuts. A few feet over, a vendor sets up his table. And when he does that, he puts everything in that he's going to sell. He has sheep and goats and everything that they needed to worship God at that time. And when he does, he decides, you know what, I made a lot of money yesterday, but I want to make even more money today. So he doubles the cost of everything. And when he does that, he realizes that he has all the power and he likes it. And then, all of a sudden, there is a, a commotion off to the side. And there's some guy yelling and he has a whip and he's going nuts. And he comes over to the vendor's table and he flips it over. And when he does that, he screams in the vendor's face, and he says, how dare you make my father's house into a den of thieves? The immigrant is grateful, and the vendor is terrified. Now, I need to get some of my notes from down here. So, <laughs> we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> really quick, guys. Glad I didn't hit anybody. That would have been bad. Okay, so how would you <laughs> describe Jesus' anger in this story? When he's standing up for the marginalized and the poor, and he is stepping in and he's deciding, you know what, I don't want people's perception of my father to be based on what his children are doing at this point. He didn't want that to happen, and so he had to step in and he had to do something. And so he steps in for the marginalized and the poor. And if Jesus stepped in for the marginalized and the poor, when is the last time you flipped some tables? Like he did. I had to do that to kind of show the dramatic fashion. I'm glad I didn't break it this time. Uh, by taking another look at these three different stories, we get to see a lot of exciting things about God's character. We get to see his compassion, his patience, his inclusion, a lot of different things that we, we missed the first time. We, when you first see it, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't understand this. But then when you look at it a second time and a third time and you really dig deep and you look into what some of these, uh, these nations were doing, you start to see just the crazy grace of God. You see... I don't think there's anything wrong with asking the question, why is God mad at me? I think it's perfectly acceptable because we see Jesus doing it on the cross. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think you could loosely translate that as, why God, why are you so mad at me? What's going on here? What did I do? What is happening? 
And I think it's good for us to ask these questions when things are going wrong in our lives. I think it's good to ask, why God, why did I lose my job? Why do my wife and I keep fighting? Why do I, why, 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 why? Because that conflict can help you build the relationship with God even stronger. Because conflict grows relationship, even though it's difficult. A few years ago, I was on the phone with my brother, and he got angry with me. And I did what any mature person would do, is I hung up the phone. Because that's the best thing to do in that situation. And so uh, he called back, and I declined it. And he called back again, and I declined it again. And then he showed up at my door, and I got the knock at the door. And I was terrified. I realized conflict had arrived, and I could not ignore it any longer. And he asked if he could come in, and I said yes. And when he sat down, all of a sudden, we went from talking about a Father's Day gift on the phone to going way deeper than what we expected. And it was this moment of clarity in our relationship, and we got to apologize for some things, and we got to dig deep, but it wouldn't have happened if my brother didn't get mad at me. If it didn't finally happen, that he didn't finally say, Hannah, what's wrong with you, or something, I don't remember what he said, but something like that, to like make me understand that I needed to change some things. And even though it was unpleasant, it was necessary. And I can look back at that moment and see how God was working in that relationship because of him getting angry with me. You see, at the end of the day, I don't want to believe in a God that doesn't get angry because, and this might be difficult to hear, but so often we get angry the most with the people that we love the most, right? Think about the person that you get mad at the most. I'm betting it's your spouse, your best friend, your parents, your uh, your siblings, something like that, like your closest relationships, people that are closest with you or the people that you get angry with. But the thing is with us, is at least with me, I mess it up. I say things that are stupid. I do things that are stupid. And, so, and some people take it a step further and turn it into abuse. And obviously that is never okay. And I'm not saying um, that abuse is okay, but I'm saying that a lot of times anger can get misconstrued in the human area. But the thing is, is God is perfect, right? God is holy. God is just and he is uh, when he is angry he sees the whole picture he doesn't just see the very next second like we do and it's when we see God get angry in scripture we have to look at what he is getting angry for we get to see him get angry for the people who have been enslaved for 400 years we get to see him get angry for the small children being burned alive and then we get to we see him get angry for the poor and the marginalized that's what we see him get angry for but then we get to see how that anger gets to be um gets connected to radical acts of love right like he does anything to free his children from slavery and he gives the barbaric nations a second chance and then he flips tables for the poor and the marginalized it's this radical act of love that would do anything to have a relationship with you. And today we're going to have the opportunity, we're going to do something we've never done at Anchor before. We're going to split up into three different sections in a moment here. In the first section, um, we're going to meditate on Psalms, uh, not Psalms, sorry, uh, Exodus 34. And it's the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to get angry, and abounding and steadfast love and faithfulness. And when we see that verse, we can think of the stories that we talked about today. We can see that he was merciful with the Ninevites. We can see that he was slow to get angry with Pharaoh. And he was
is loving towards the immigrants and the poor in the temple. So that's the first thing, depending on how we split you guys up. The second thing is going to be asking God why. And I can't answer that for you. You have to think to yourself, what are you asking God why for today? And I want you to create a little conflict. I want you to ask him why your kids aren't doing well in school. I want you to ask him uh, why your marriage isn't doing well. I want you to ask him why you lost your job. Whatever it is, fill in the blank for you. And we're going to have a little uh, pegboard over there just to roll up our prayers and put them in there. Just like a symbolic thing of God, I'm giving this to you. And then finally, I want you to look to Jesus. And we're going to take communion together. And we're going to be able to look to Jesus on the cross. And as you're doing that, I want you to think to yourself, God, Jesus hanging on the cross and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, it's in that moment that we see God's anger and God's love come together in this beautiful display of sacrifice. We see him, God get angry that he's separated from his children. We get angry with the problem of sin. And then we see how that, his love would go the distance. And we see him put a crown of thorn on, and he, he uh, takes on flogging to, within an inch of his life, and he carries a cross up a hill. And then he hangs there, struggling to breathe, only to have the Father turn away at the hardest moment because God can't be around sin. You see, as Jesus was dying, his last words weren't, my God, my God, why? But instead, it was this statement. It was, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. It was this moment of why, and then it was, God, I trust you. And Jesus is the perfect example of of how to live our lives and how our relationship with God should be. And so as we close today, I want you to ask yourself, have you trusted God with your life? Have you had that moment that you have decided to follow him with your entire being? And if you haven't, I would love just to lead you through a prayer right now. The prayer doesn't do anything magical. It's just kind of a way to communicate with God. And so if I could have everybody close their eyes and bow their heads. And if you'd like to uh, come to know Jesus right now, you can just pray this prayer. Say, God, thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead three days later. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. In your name. And if you prayed that prayer, I'd just love to know. So if you could just, uh, just with everybody with their eyes closed, if you could just raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. That's great. Thank you. And if you prayed that prayer today, I'd just love to know. So if you can just come up to me afterwards, too, that would be cool. And I'll just pray for everybody right now. God, I just pray for every single person in this room. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you that you are perfect, that we can trust you, God, that you are so, so good to us. I just pray for this next part of the service. I just pray that you would help us just to get a little uncomfortable and, and be open with you. And uh, I just pray that you would just be uh, your spirit would just be in this room today, God. In your name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Anchor Church's podcast. Every month we upload new episodes to help you grow in your faith and your relationship with God. If you'd like to get involved further or give into the mission of Anchor, please check out anchorchurchil.com. We'll see you next time.